Warning, this show may contain adult content, language, and humor and is intended for mature audiences. If that's not you, please stop listening now. Nothing you hear on Sex and Science Hour is intended as medical advice, financial advice, legal advice, therapy, or really anything other than entertainment. Please take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Oh, and if you're hearing us on an affiliate network, the ideas and views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of the network you're listening on or of any sponsors or affiliate products you might hear about on the show. Now that all that's out of the way, let's start the show. This is Sex and Science Hour with Brian Sovereign and Dr. Stephanie Murphy. Get your freak on. Well, welcome to Sex and Science Hour. You know, last week we talked about how you got the Super NES Classic. Yeah. And come this week, we're on level 15 in Mario World. You're, you're playing it more than I am. <laughs> I've become obsessed with it. Yeah. yeah which... Is fine. I mean, and and of course, it's not my only you know game. Not that system, we're playing but... it a lot. I mean, we're still taking care of our responsibilities. You can't get too crazy yes, here. But of course, but we yeah, are I have adults. been. I have been finding myself. Let's just say I've been finding myself looking forward to playing it every night. <laughs> Super Mario World every night. You're rocking yeah. it. You Yoshi to Cape. You're good. Yep, got to get that feather. Yeah, you can fly. Anyway, uh, <laughs> we've been having a blast with that. Hope you had a good week. Um, you know who didn't have a good week? I guess there was some granola company who said on their packaging that they make their stuff, uh, their food product, with love. And have you ever seen that before? I've definitely yeah, seen I've that seen on foods. Yeah, I've seen this a bunch of times. I sure. think I get some kind of kombucha that has that, that says brewed with love or something like that. Well, this company actually listed love in the list of ingredients, and now the FDA is going after them. The, uh, in case you're not a U.S. listener, the uh, FDA is the Food and Drug Administration, who um, I think I would say they're mostly focused on drugs, not food. <laughs> OK. But I'm telling you which drugs are OK, which drugs the pharmaceutical companies can manufacture and prescribe to people. Um, but they don't really do much with food, but they do have certain requirements of like how the nutritional information has to be listed on food packaging and stuff like that. Well, apparently... Uh, there's a Massachusetts-based baker and wholesaler who makes granola, and <laughs> the FDA said that it can contain rolled oats, brown sugar, and maybe nuts, but no feelings, according to uh, Bloomberg here, this article. The Neshoba Valley, or sorry, the Neshoba Granola label lists ingredient love, the agency wrote in a September 22nd letter. And th that's what Does it the give FDA like an amount of milligrams or something? <laughs> I mean... No, that's the thing. So... The part of the regulations for the ingredients are, um, and I know this because I've looked into it, you have to list the, the ingredients in the order of the, like in descending order. Yep. So, for example, if if the most plentiful ingredient in your recipe is flour, let's just say, flour has to be the first thing listed. 
And then okay. they go down from there as according to how much is in there. Okay. That's why it'll say sometimes like flour, water, sugar, and less than 2% of sodium benzoate for preservative or whatever. You know? Right. So, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know where it was listed, but uh, the, the FDA said love is not a common or usual name of an ingredient and is considered to be intervening material because it is not part of the common or usual name of the ingredient. Neshoba Chief Executive Officer John Gates said the FDA's take on love as an ingredient, quote, just felt so George Orwell. I really like it that we list love in the granola, Gates said in a telephone interview Tuesday. People ask us what makes it so good. It's kind of nice that this artisan bakery bakery can say there's love in it. It puts a smile on people's faces. Situations like that where the government is telling you you can't list love as an ingredient because it might be deceptive just feels so silly. The bakery also warned that products were prepared, packaged, oh, sorry, the bakery was also warned by the FDA that products were prepared, packaged, or held under unsanitary conditions, whereby they may have become contaminated with filth or may have been rendered injurious to health. In an emailed statement, the FDA said the concerns about love were not among the agency's top concerns. <laughs> the bigger violations were sanitary issues, according to them. Now, this is funny because every time there's like an E. coli outbreak on salad, you know, like spinach yeah. or lettuce or something, everyone's like, why isn't the FDA inspecting these plants and testing them and blah, blah, blah. And they don't because they don't care about food or they don't have the resources to police food very, very much. Right. Um, they don't really have much to do with food safety, but but they're concerning themselves with this. And, you know, another thing they hate, the FDA, another thing they hate is when you is when you use unapproved artificial sweeteners. So um, back in 2005, I believe it was, uh, the FDA actually raided the facilities of Celestial Seasonings, which is a company that makes tea. Yeah. They make a lot of herbal teas. Good stuff. And they had this one tea that was called like Sweet Leaf or something like that, or like Sweet <laughs> oh, no. Sleepy Time or something <laughs> oh, like that. Okay. Something with sweet <laughs> in the name because the tea contained stevia, which is an herbal sweetener. Uh. Now, at that time, stevia was not approved as an official sweetener by the FDA because it's a plant. It's not something you can patent. It's like an herbal extract. And so they weren't allowed to say on their marketing materials, this is sweet, because that was violating, that was like using it off-label as an unapproved sweetener or something like that. You know, really, I think part of this, I mean, th this is this is ridiculous, you know, to think I that think you can legislate, that you can legislate love anyway, Across the board. Is, yeah, like you say in your show outro, love is not subject to law. Well, it shouldn't be, but apparently <laughs> it is. But, yeah. uh, you know, but this is this is really such an American thing and such a piece of American governmental bullshit and uniquely American. Not even Britain is this bad. And here's an example is uh, uh, those um, uh, inflatable uh, mattresses, right? Air mattresses. Mm -hmm. OK, um, I, I've gone through quite a few of these over the years and. You know, because they pop eventually, and mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, so on on the the warning label for them, there's there's a there's a few different languages, but there's English U.S. and there's English U.K. And they're different, yes. Even though it's the same yes. English, <laughs> and the English U.S. is actually two sentences longer, saying like all these other warning rules: don't put your mouth on it, don't do this, don't do that. Oh and the English God, U.K. is just seriously? like danger flammable. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, like, and and that's it. But it, it's just it shows the nanny attitude and maybe the lack of sense of humor 
that exists with, I mean, the nanny attitude within the U.S. government yeah. and the lack of sense of humor or the inability to take a joke or the, maybe just the offloading of one's own responsibility that exists within the American conscious in mm. general. Uh, because any, I could, you know what, because honestly, and I, I, it's so sad that I think this, I believe that people would read the ingredient love and they'd go to fucking Google and say, what the fuck is this love thing? <laughs> Like they'd be looking for a goddamn plant. I don't know if some I, people. I think they would. Well, I, I think that's debatable. I mean, I think it's cute. I think it's cute when people say "made with love." Yeah. You know, I and a lot of products do that. I guess I could sort of see the point that, you know, it's really like mixing up your marketing with sort of the required legalese. Like the the ingredient listings is kind of the required legalese, mm-hmm. and there's you can kind of make a case for it because some people do have food allergies, right? And they need to know what's in something, right? Sure. They need to know what's in something before they decide whether or not they want to eat it. And they want that information to be accurate. But really, nobody's allergic to love. It's nothing. It's it's an idea, <laughs> you know. So it's not going to hurt anybody to have that listed in the ingredients. It is kind of mixing messages, but it's such a bad PR move for the FDA to to go after this that it's just I don't know why why they would do it. Yeah, I mean, and they're trying to like keep your eyes off of it by by you know worrying about oh but it's unsanitary it's all this other stuff yeah i mean i why did they focus on them i mean every every food manufacturer is unsanitary basically (laughs) but i thought love cleanses all what the fuck that's right apparently it doesn't cleanse the fda (laughs) from going after you anyway uh (laughs) i don't eat granola anyway i just thought this was an interesting story sent in by uh i'm a listener i think so anyway there's more coming up here on sex and science hour Literally. Wow. I left out the commercial breaks again. Okay. Should I, should I edit that out? Should no, I change no, it? No, let's roll. All let's, right. Let's just go. Well, I do want to just take a quick moment and let everybody know that we are halfway through season four on mm-hmm. Sex and Science Hour. And, you know, things change so fast in the podcasting world. I don't usually get a chance to share the show on my personal Facebook page, and I think I should because I know I get a lot of listeners that way. Sure. But I've just, for whatever reason, I haven't been doing it lately. And um, we actually have started to build up a thriving Facebook community for Sex and Science Hour. It's called the Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook. So if you want to be a part of that, all you have to do is search it out. We've got some, you know, some Pakistani spam bots trying to (laughs) join the group. But I will know that you're not one of them if you fill out the question, which is basically who is one of the hosts of Sash. Right. And if you if you answer the question correctly or if you try to answer the question correctly in a way that shows that you actually listen to the show, I will let you into the group and you can access a whole world of fun. So anyway, sex and set. No, don't say that because you might get in trouble for copyright. Oh, uh, no. well, we're not putting that on YouTube. We're fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I read that you can get sued if if you're like in an audiobook, if you sing a song, if there's like a song in the audiobook and you actually sing it as the narrator. Wow. That they can get in trouble. The author can get in trouble, too, for just putting lyrics in a book. I, I know, it's insane. It's got it's reached a level of, of absurdity, but anyway, here we are. So, <laughs> Brian, have you ever wondered how genital herpes evolved? I know I have. Really? <laughs> I mean, I actually kind of have. Um, I'm fascinated by herpes viruses. I'd call it a little weird obsession from the days of my biochemistry schooling and stuff like that. I just think it's really interesting that there's this whole class of viruses that that can hide once they infect you, 
they stay there forever. They hide in your yeah. in your nerve cells and you can't get rid of them. And then they just come out when you're under stress and nobody really knows what triggers it, but they just come out. And chickenpox is like that. Um, uh, what's it called? CMV, cytomegalovirus is like that. Um, herpes simplex, yep. which is HSV1 and 2, genital herpes and uh, oral herpes, as they're commonly known, although either can be on either location in the body. Um, but I mean, yeah, we all have these things. And it's just like, ooh, like, <laughs> they're in you and you can't get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. So but but the thing that's fascinating from sort of a scientific perspective is like, how did a virus get that clever? I know it's not clever because it doesn't have a brain. It's just like, some it found a very successful way to propagate itself, right? And obviously, it's going to survive because of that. But how did that come about? Well, apparently, there is an early human hominid that is to blame for genital herpes. This is from CNN. Standing about four feet tall, early human ancestor Pananthropus bozii had a small brain and a wide dish-like face, and it's most well-known for having big, big teeth and hefty chewing muscles. Herpes has been around for a long time, to say the least. Ancient chimpanzees genetically passed oral herpes, herpes simplex 1 or HSV1, to the earliest humans millions of years ago when our lineage split. And we almost missed out on catching that other scourge, genital herpes, HSV2. Almost. Unlike HSV1, HSV2 didn't make the leap to early humans on its own. Unfortunately for modern humans, millions of years ago, an early human ancestor was in the right place at the right time to catch HSV2. And it might not have happened if it weren't for that meddling hominin species Pananthropus bozii, according to a new study in the journal Virus Evolution. Standing about four feet tall, bozii had a small brain and a wide dish-like face. It is most well known for having big teeth and hefty chewing muscles, and one skull was nicknamed Nutcracker Man for those traits. <laughs> now, they have a little mock-up of a Neanderthal <laughs> looking uh, kind of creepy, like, hey, girl, you know. <laughs> and I don't know what that has to do with this article, but it's funny anyway. <laughs> Bozii acted as the in-between agent for genital herpes to make the species jump from primates to humans, researchers say. Ancient chimpanzees, Bozii, and Homo erectus were all in Africa between 1.4 million and 3 million years ago, in an area where the evolution of modern humans would occur. It would be easy for them to come into contact with each other around water sources. HSV2 itself was evolving at that time, and it could be spread orally. The researchers believe that the circle of life caused this transmission. Read sex, <laughs> which would have to happen through fluid exchange. Chimpanzee bites or scratches could also transfer the virus through sores. So what about the human bloodline? According to researchers, transfer could have happened through sexual intercourse or homo erectus consuming bozii, or both. So it was either they were fucking or they were cannibalizing each other. Wow. There you have it. We can blame our ancestors for eating other hominins and great apes. This has been the source of other primate-to-human infections, such as HIV. Charlotte Holdcroft, senior study author and virologist at the University of Cambridge Department of Archaeology, wrote in an email, Eating other species closely related to oneself has risks, because pathogens adapted to species genetically similar to us will find it easier to jump the species barrier. So, I, Hey, yeah. I, I mean, this Cannibalism just... Cannibalism is bad, folks. Yeah, and but they didn't know that at the time. No, right. Well, this is this is interesting because, well, like you said, it it could be close species. It close doesn't species, have to yes. be like the exact one. Because I kind of a part of me feels that and thinks, and I, I think there's research around this 
that you wouldn't really want to eat, you know, your, your own kind. Like that, that's not, that just doesn't gel. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you, you wouldn't do that. Um, Unless you got desperate enough, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if it's uh, like a situation like uh, Alive, right? The movie Alive. I don't know. I've never seen that movie. Okay. What's um, it about? I don't want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a it's a true story. It's very fucked up. Ew. Where people got people did have to start oh, eating each other. No. Um, there was a string of movies in the '90s that were that had cannibalism kind of at their heart, which yeah, is yeah, Silence little, of the Lambs is a little strange. You know, yeah, one that comes to mind. Sure, there's some others. Uh. I mean, this is, it's interesting. I don't know. I I, I don't know what to say about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, they're constantly discovering these new hominids, I guess. And some of them, you know, are responsible for certain genetic traits, right? Like the one that allows people to survive up in the mountains of Nepal came from the Denisovans, apparently. Uh-huh. And the Neanderthals contributed to a lot of other uh, human DNA that we still carry with us today. And uh, some of them gave us herpes. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that part is interesting that this used to be a planet with a lot of different types of intelligent sapient yeah, life on it. Exactly. Uh, and mean, they were wa- all mixing and mingling. Right. And things like this happening were probably what led more to, because there was interbreeding. We know that certainly mm-hmm. between, you know, homo or, you know, homo sapiens, sapiens and Neanderthals mm-hmm. uh, and, and all of that, you know, Denisovans. there was, yeah, there was in Denisovans, right. There, there was interbreeding going on. Um, I find it, I mean, I, I think this like diseases like this spreading, you know, like these, these kind of leapfrogging between species is probably more to do with why, other species of humans of hominids have gone away uh, than anything else. Not that they were inferior in any way. Um, I mean, this shit just happens, you know, and there's not much you can really, there's not much you can do about it. And then mm-hmm. you, it gets introduced and suddenly boom, you know, entire populations are, uh, are, are wiped out, uh, which I think is important to bring up because a lot of people will say, well, the Neanderthals must have been dumb. That's why they died off. No, there's no, no there's no reason for that. In fact, the evidence now is standing quite in contrast to that fact. Mm. It's just that this kind of shit happens. You know, uh, there's there's never any reason, you know, to, to go to the answer that, well, they must have been stupid or inferior. Well, actually, I mean, their DNA, a lot of their DNA survived, and you have it in you right yeah, now. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Who's the dumb one now? <laughs> well, yeah, I think that the real stupidity is in going to that conclusion at any given time. Any yeah, time. People love to underestimate the humans of old, but really, they had a lot of the same equipment as us, so they weren't. Yeah. Who's dumb now? Anyway, there's more coming up. Smart Dumb is on the way, and our threesomes exploited it? This is Sex and Science Hour. Welcome back to the show. Ooh. Brian's looking at me like, did you have something you wanted to pimp during that break? I should really put no, this no, back no. in. That's all right. <laughs> Please continue. I feel like we've been doing shorter shows li- lately because we're short on time. Well, it's and a so, Sex and Science Hour. I mean, yeah, we always give more than that. That is actually kind of how I feel. Like, it's always yeah. pretty much more than an hour. But yep. how much more than an hour? Sometimes it's closer to two hours. Sometimes it's more close to one hour. And I mm-hmm. think keeping it to one hour is good because then people are more likely to listen to it. They're like, oh, it's a shorter show, you know. Yeah, you know, though, a friend of ours was saying that actually, statistically, um, the average show listened to or average podcast listened oh, to. Oh, yeah, this is really is like two hours long. That's right. 
on Libsyn because Libsyn yeah. collects a lot of Libsyn is a podcast hosting company. Right. And um, we host our show on SoundCloud, but I don't know. SoundCloud might be in trouble. They're saying so they're saying SoundCloud is broke, basically. <laughs> yeah. And nobody wants to buy them. So the future of SoundCloud is in jeopardy. But a lot of people are going a lot of podcasters are going to or have already gone to Libsyn, which is a major uh, competitor. It's been around for a long time, seems to be here to stay. But Libsyn collects all kinds of really interesting statistics about their podcasts. Mm-hmm. And yeah, our friend was who hosts his podcast on Libsyn uh, listens to the Libsyn podcast. Libsyn does their own podcast. Right. And they were saying on there that um, these statistics are, I guess, like the most popular podcasts are hours long. Yeah. Two to three hours long. Yeah. If it's just on Libsyn, maybe so. Cause I thought about this. I was like, wow. It's like, that's really hard to believe. Cause I don't like the, the bulk of the, I mean, granted when you get feedback from listeners, usually that's a very special kind of person and it's not representative of your general audience, I think. Um, because the general audience doesn't bother to give you feedback. They just listen and walk away, you know? Yeah. That's and that's right. fine. Um, I'm like that. I almost never give feedback or leave reviews right even if i like something <laughs> yeah exactly so i mean like yeah i i have a podcast that i practically worship and i've never really you know I, mm. i've never talked to the person or well i mean i have talked to him but i've never you know bothered to engage in that way anyway my point being is that what i wondered about was if i wondered how much like the twit network skewed that number because oh, yeah all of almost all of their shows are two hours plus also joe rogan because his yeah. shows are longer. So, yeah, there's got to be like Lipson, some, the behemoths. Those wouldn't be in that. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah, right. I mean, that's the thing is that the biggest podcasts are two hours long, but they are big by such a large margin yeah. that I think it would skew those numbers. So it's hard to believe that two hours is like something a lot of people really want, even though I do a two-hour show. But, yeah. True. I mean, yeah, your show is great. Um I don't know. I mean, when I think about the podcasts that I listen to, they're all different lengths. Some sure. of them are two hours long, but some of them are less than 30 minutes. Sure. That's just fine. Anyway, uh, here we are rambling about podcast statistics when we have a very important um, <laughs> article about are threesomes exploitative? <laughs> so um, this is this is written by a lesbian who saw something on Twitter that bothered her. And it's a rant about <laughs> about unicorn hunters, essentially. Okay. And it's by Julie Urshadi, The Inherent Exploitativeness of Polyamorous Threesomes. Here is a general outline of the situation. In our modern world of free love, in a would-be free society, polyamorous heterosexual couples seem to have this collective obsession with finding a hot, single, bisexual woman to enter their relationship in a mostly only sexual capacity. The idea, I guess, is that we've sufficiently been liberated these days to go for these kinds of non-conventional relationships. The problem is that in their efforts to find a third, these couples do not typically present their intentions honestly, either to themselves or to a potential uh, unicorn. Whether they realize it or not, they want a woman with the social security of a man in her life who can essentially function as their plaything and maintain a perpetual subordinate status of their pressure to their precious little unicorn. Beneath the facade of a happy-go-lucky, stable, self-contained heterosexual relationship lies a truly sinister creature, a chauvinistic sense of entitlement to the exploitation of a vulnerable subgroup of sexual minority women. 
I was once a lesbian side piece. To, and here it comes. This is, by the way, this is all opinion. Somebody sent it to us and asked what we think about okay. this opinion piece. So we're going to read it and then give our opinion of the opinion. So, okay. I was once a lesbian side piece to a woman in a cishet relationship that is cisgender heterosexual, okay, uh, by which I discovered this ugly truth for myself. Though I wasn't the textbook definition of a unicorn, since I won't do the D, since she's a lesbian, ah. my experience is sufficient to demonstrate the essential failings of this ham-fisted treatment of single queer women. Things were cool for a while. I would go down to Orange County and spend the afternoon with A and her fiancé G. She and I would hang out with him for a little while and then go into their bedroom alone. The chemistry with her was lovely, and what's wrong with a little meaningless fun if everybody's all right with it? But I sensed that I was waiting for the other shoe to drop, and eventually, it did. After a few times, she asked if G could watch. Oh, shit. I balked. We'd floated the idea before, but I really was not into this guy at all. Not even like in a I'll-try-anything-once kind of way. Things got weird after that. A would make fun of me for how I lived my life. I'm single, I love my cats, I'm super sensitive, a trait considered by the unenlightened to be both negative and feminine. This kind of treatment, other things she would subtly say or not subtle, not so subtly remind me that G came first in her world, plus her increasing pillow princess tendencies. I don't know what a pillow princess is. No, me neither. Maybe she just expected to be treated like a princess. Anyway, or or wasn't was selfish in bed, I don't know. Um Plus, her increasing pillow princess tendencies made it obvious to me in every sense that I was only there to give, not to receive. What's worse, our lovemaking was always only on the condition that the human with the penis sitting in the other room gave us both permission to do what we wanted with our bodies. <laughs> when things fell apart after I said I didn't want G to watch, that revealed in that sense that it was all for his amusement anyway. I'd crept back under the old male gaze, lured by the prospect of hot lesbian sex. What I eventually realized after kicking A and G to the curb is that I had been in an inherently subordinate position to them. It's not just because I was the third, it's because I was the female third, the unicorn. They existed in a socially viable coupling that would allow them to get ahead in life together. As a single, visibly queer woman with no backup, I was in danger just from walking to my car, just walking from my car to their apartment building. Yes, even in Southern California, never underestimate violent homophobia. When we'd first started talking, A had actually said she believed that if she hadn't been so strongly socialized to heteronormativity by her conservative family, she might be a full-on lesbian. At the time, I wondered if why she would live in denial of her true feelings if that was the case. Now I understand. It was more comfortable with, to be with G in their 18th floor condo with a 4K television, two fluffy white dogs, a destination wedding just around the corner, than to live the way I wanted. So you see, I really have no patience for these cishet couples on a quest for a mythical beast of a third. I have even less patience for them when it blows up in their faces and they blame the girl they tried to rope into their weird dynamic. Women's sexuality doesn't exist for men's amusement, and homosexual love doesn't exist just for heterosexual exploitation. The sooner that gets through the thick skulls of the adherents to our little contemporary sexual revolution, the better. So that's the opinion piece. Yikes, she got burned. I feel yeah. really bad for her. I mean, that that is a bad experience. And I mean, what do I think about this? I think she's she's right in some ways. Sure. Yeah, there is often totally an expectation that 
Um, this is all at the whim of the heterosexual couple. And really, the man is pulling the strings, even if he gives permission to, you know, for his girlfriend and her girlfriend to have a little lesbian thing. It's really it's really all for him. You know, yeah, it's uh, it's that's sort of at his behest. And, um, you know, they often ex- do have these expectations on the third woman that she's not really part of their heterosexual relationship. She's just kind of there to serve them. And what does she really get out of it? I don't know. Um, and she's expected to be with both of them. Oftentimes in this situation, she wasn't. But then they found out that actually, yeah, she kind of was. She was at least expected him to let him watch, which was her yeah. hard no. And she didn't want to do that. So she got out. Um but yeah, often there are these these weird expectations that are placed on the third person that are not um, put on the original members of the heterosexual couple. And she's also pointing out the idea of couples privilege and heterosexual privilege, where she said that they're in a relationship that allows them to get ahead in life together. Mm-hmm. And that's true. Um, heterosexual relationships, especially married ones, are socially sanctioned. Everybody expects uh, people to have a heterosexual spouse. Yeah. And that is a vaunted position in society. It's considered respectable to be married. You know, you're then you're a family man or a family woman or whatever. Um, and that's like kind of the expected thing to do. Parents want their children to get married, right? When are you getting married, right? Yeah. <laughs> they want them to have kids. When are you going to have kids? And you can really only do that in a heterosexual relationship. I mean, you can do it in other types of relationships, but it's it's harder, significantly harder. And part of that is because society makes it harder on people who choose to have children outside of a heterosexual marriage. Right. So um, I really see her points and I empathize with her bad experience. I mean, she thought, OK, I'll try this. It can't be too, you know. What's wrong with having a little harmless fun? Everybody knows what it is. I know she's not going to be my wife or my girlfriend or anything like that. I know she's just kind of a piece of ass, and I'm I'm fine with that. And it seemed like everybody was on the same page in the beginning. But then this woman who's writing the piece was constantly treated as a second-class citizen, and she started to say, wait a minute, I don't think I like this very much. (laughs) You know, I think this relationship is not what I thought it was was going to be. So, um... Yeah, what I'm saying is I can really relate and empathize empathize with what this person said. I've had people treat me like that before, right? Because I'm an out bisexual woman. I'm not married. So I guess I'm kind of more closer to her position than I am to. But I mean, I've also been in the position of, you know, being in a heterosexual relationship and (laughs) thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great if there was like some hot bisexual woman who wanted to like join us? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Just fit right in there. So I can I can relate to both but i think i feel a little bit closer to the 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 burned unicorn in this situation sure i mean i empathize with her too um i look that's not polyamory like i i i kind of the only thing i don't like is it sounds like her tone is just like oh no this is all exploitative like it it really doesn't have to be this way yeah i agree with you in that it doesn't have to be this way yeah often it is Sometimes, oh, sure. sometimes it sure. is. Well, this is the thing is that like, I don't even know about often, but oh, sometimes it is. Well, I, I dare say often because I think the amount of genuinely polyamorous people are exceptionally rare, exceptionally rare. Like, I don't know what percentage to possibly even give it, but it'd be what so is, minute. What does polyamorous mean to you? What is a true Scotsman in the sense of polyamory? Well, I mean, polyamory is love. It's not just fucking. 
Okay, and obviously, okay, so that somebody who's able to love multiple people at once. Yeah, well, obviously, this wasn't that wasn't a part of the program here. I mean, the 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 hetero or the the woman in uh, in the cis relationship, whatever, was insulting this other woman. Uh, you know, at points. I mm-hmm. mean, it was it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, no, there wasn't love going all the way around. This this was not a polyamorous relationship. So she's she's really knocking swingers, right? I mean, because that's really what these people were. I don't know. I mean, it's it's hard to say that because, yeah, I mean, that's how I define polyamory, too, the capacity to love multiple people. But you don't just start out a relationship in love. I mean, no, you, of course you have to get there, right? And well, yeah, you could start as friends. But what if you start out a relationship sort of on a sexual foot and you don't really know each other very well yet? Sure. And I mean, how do you get to love, right? Like you date each other and you f- spend time together and maybe that time includes sex. So I you know, it sure it doesn't always have to be love when you're starting out, but um, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of respect going on. It seemed like they viewed this woman, this third woman, as an object that was there for their sexual pleasure and just sort of a plaything. And they treated her like a toy and just discarded her yeah. when she didn't want to go along with their program that they had written. Yeah, I mean, if if it's just like a, a sexual outing at first, I mean, like, is that? Is that exploitative? Look, I'm not defending the guy. The guy's a piece of shit, in my opinion. Okay, like, like, really? Um, well, a woman doesn't sound that great either. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Right, but you know, at least she sounded like she was saying, "Oh, I probably would have been a lesbian or something." Which, I mean, you know, good for you. Wish she could have gone all the way, but whatever. Um, but I'm just saying, like, it's not exploitative at that point then because it's just about sex, and so of course it's shallow and. Have you ever entered into, maybe it's different for you, Brian, but have you ever gone into a situation saying, oh, yeah, I can totally just, I know what this is. This is all about sex. There's no, there's not going to be love or a relationship here. I can totally go into this and just have sex with this person. I'm not going to catch any feelings and that's all it's going to be and it'll be totally fine. I can do this. Yeah. And then it doesn't work out that way. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, I've, well. It's happened to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I can say, I, I don't want to say maybe not directly. But this is something, and I've brought this up a ton of times, like when you get other dudes, like, I mean, I get her complaint and I agree with a lot of what she's saying. I really, I really do. Because you have, you know, when it's two women, one guy, when it's two guys, one woman, real problems happen. Because I think guys get way more attached than women do. And you can't have the opposite of what you just, you just described. I think if, if that's going on, I've seen it happen. It gets ugly. Hmm. Well, I don't hear a lot about people who are hunting male unicorns. Maybe we could call them centaurs or something. <laughs> a male unicorn is a centaur. Okay, I'm going to coin that term. All right, centaur. <laughs> I don't hear about a lot of centaur hunters, you know, that are look like a heterosexual couple looking for a bi- bisexual guy to join mm-hmm. their relationship. Um, I'm sure it happens, but there's it's not so common that there's like a trope for it like yeah. there is with unicorns, you know. <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, bi invisibility is already a big enough issue. And mm-hmm. I think guys being bisexual is like they have bi hard. invisibility. And, I think that's one yeah. of the toughest orientation and gender combinations yes. there is. Yeah. yeah, I really do. Sure. Um, so shout out to the bisexual guys. I mean, yeah. But anyway, so. All right. I guess. I guess we answered that question. We didn't get to our smart dumb, which I wanted to get to for weeks. Can we do that now? I think we should do that now. Okay. Uh, I I guess, yeah, I guess just in brief, my answer is that that wasn't polyamory. I feel terrible that that whole thing happened. Um, You know, people can, like, I don't, 
I don't understand. So you think they're not doing it right? The the heterosexual couple, they're not doing it right. The they guy need to should check have, themselves. The, the guy should have read the situation and and said even if his wife or girlfriend was saying, "Hey, can he come in and watch?" The guy should read the situation and say, "No, nah, I can I can pretty well tell that like, they don't want me I'm, here. I'm not <laughs> I'm not wanted here by yeah. by her." And that's it. If one person in this triad doesn't want this to go down, you walk away. You, you step out. And that doesn't mean you have to break up with your girlfriend. That doesn't mean that the, the, the relationship's in trouble. You just go sleep in another fucking room. I mean, like, it's it's not a big deal. And it's not an insult to you. I mean, this is just like, it really feels like some serious, fragile male ego going on. Yeah. Uh, there. And and that's 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 terrible. You know, like, what what the fuck, man? So, yeah, I hear these stories. I get very annoyed. Very, very annoyed. So you're coming down hard on the guy. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I think I think they they I think the the heterosexual couple they both had some unrealistic expectations and sure. they both were viewing the third woman as a total like an object. And I like that she wrote about it because people can hear that perspective and learn from it and say, okay, well, if we ever decide to seek out a unicorn, we're going to take that horrible warning and not repeat that, you know, and not treat her that way and think of her as some object that exists for our pleasure. We're going to treat her as an actual person and respect her and respect her preferences and realize that she's coming into this relationship uh, later than us, you know, right. <laughs> she's coming in at a disadvantage because she's coming in third, you know, so we have to do some extra work to make sure she feels welcome and supported and respected as a person if we want her to stick around. Yeah, I, I mean, really, like the only time a person would ever get treated like less than uh, I don't I don't even know how to describe that because I, I can hardly imagine treating somebody like that if it was like a hookup. Like you and I, and we, we were at a party or something and some gal or whatever wanted to, you know, wanted to, to, to have some fun or something. We didn't know them from Adam. Okay, fine. I like, obviously I barely know this person. I can't exactly like be, you know, uh, uh, you know, emotionally lifting her up and, yeah. and embracing her and everything. No, but you, you can know. still be respectful and respect, yeah. like say, Hey, would you like to do this? And she says, no. Okay. You don't ask again, you know? Absolutely. But outside of that kind of situation, like. I cannot imagine treating anybody like an object or treating them as any kind of subordinate or anything like that. You're getting in bed. I mean, you're part of the, you're part of the family, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. I, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I'll, you know, I'll give you my shirt and everything, you know, off my back, you know, to, 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 to help and do whatever. I mean, I just, I like this mindset. I can't grasp. I, I absolutely can't. I know. Grasp it, it feels like a foreign mindset to me too. Like, yeah. Just feeling entitled for somebody else to like, exist for my pleasure like i can barely even say it i mean unless it was like a you know like a bdsm scene or something like that and somebody, well, it's something like role playing well faking somebody worshiping me okay that's fine i can get into that yeah. but, but not really not like with no safe word in real life you know yeah exactly so. exactly anyway all right smart dumb all right go. smart dumb this is really dumb walmart wants to send people into your house to stock your fridge when you're not home Oh, fuck. By Abba Batari. Anyway, uh, I should note, Walmart and Amazon are kind of in a battle for taking over the world, in case you haven't noticed. Um, This article is published in the Washington Post, which is owned by Jeff Bezos, the CEO of Amazon. So this is basically an article about their competition. So just, you know, consider the source. Might be a hit piece. (laughs) Might be. Delivery workers who drop off Walmart groceries may soon bring them into your kitchen and unload them into your refrigerator, even if you're not home. 
The world's largest retailer announced Friday that it is testing a delivery program in where? Silicon Valley. Oh, boy. That would allow customers to use smart home technology to remotely open the door for delivery workers and watch a live stream of the delivery by linking their phones with home security cameras. Think about that. Someone else does the shopping for you and puts it all away, said Sloan Edelston, vice president of Walmart e-commerce strategy and business operations in a blog post Friday. As a homeowner, I'm in control of the experience the entire time, he added. I'm watching the entire process from start to finish from my home security cameras. As I watch the associate exit my front door, I even receive confirmation that my door has automatically been locked. Walmart executives touted the program as a way to make grocery shopping even more convenient for customers who are becoming accustomed to ordering food online. After all, they said, the rise of ride-sharing and home-sharing services means many people are already getting used to strangers' cars, uh, getting into strangers' cars and sleeping in their bedrooms. But security and privacy experts said Walmart's new service raised a number of concerns for, for homeowners, insurance companies, and others. There are always unintended consequences that arise with these newfangled ideas. Really, he said newfangled, said <laughs> Albert Guidari, director of privacy at Stanford Center for Internet and Society. It might be creepy and intrusive, but there are also a lot of security risks and liability questions down the road. What happens if there is a theft or damage or a dog bite? Will your homeowner's policy cover that? How will insurance companies react to this? Well, I mean, this is a genuine issue that's been going on for 30 years with UPS. Yeah. Where if there's a dog in the yard, they won't deliver. Mm -hmm. like, Or they have the option to not deliver. Yeah. Um, Those be dogs because can be scary. I, you know, a dog is the ultimate low-tech security device. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, I love the idea. Yeah, well, sure. Um, like the, you know, understand too that like Amazon recently, or it was announced that they were going to be releasing a security camera. Uh, you know, that connects to Alexa and all that and everything attaches to their, like the Alexa plus line and all of this. And a lot of people thought it was crazy. Like, wait a minute, why the hell are, what, what is Amazon? Why do they have any business getting into the security game? Why are they, why do they have a security camera? Here's the thing. It's not about securing you. It's actually about securing Amazon's packages. You just get to get, you, you get to charge, get charged for the privilege of, uh, you know, of, of owning that, um, and, and setting that up uh, with them. So, like this is it's dumb it's not dumb for the reasons that the washington post is saying because amazon's going to do the same thing they already have all these gadget guys and all these people that that they'll send to your house to connect your television and and do whatever else even though i think normally you have to be there for those uh this would be a different situation um this this idea a lot of people don't realize this there's the concept of predictive programming which i don't necessarily believe exists but what I do believe... What, wait, what is predictive programming? Predictive programming is that in entertainment and media, you are shown things decades or years or maybe even months or something ahead of time. Deliberately. Deliberately to get you ready for an event or a release of some So kind. that when it comes out in the future, you say... I've seen that before in this It's like, movie. oh, yeah, this is just like Star Trek or something mm -hmm. like that, right? In fact, Star Trek's one of the shows that's One of considered, the examples of predictive programming yeah, that's often cited. Right, as being predictive programming from the RAND Corporation, whatever else. Um, I think a lot of claims of predictive programming are absolute hogwash. They they, they have no, no basis in fact whatsoever. Uh, but what I do think happens is that you, is that, Media and entertainment, movies, TV shows, whatever, can be used as marketing uh, research. 
meaning you can show off a technology and you can gauge based upon, you know, sort of like what people talked about, especially today with social media. What do people say under a YouTube video or, or on Twitter about a TV show? What happens in a TV show or what happens in a movie? It's a great way to get all of that market research as to whether people are actually interested in this kind of technology. Now, I say all this because there's already been a lot of that kind of market research done in entertainment to see if people wanted food to automatically be delivered to the refrigerator. Yeah, and what's the results? They don't. They don't. They don't react well to it at all. You heard it here, folks. All right, that's going to do it for us tonight, but stay tuned for the after show. You've just heard Sex and Science Hour. Game over. Play again next week. after show Ooh. i feel like it's kind of a tease to like end the show and say all right we're done for today see you later <laughs> but we'll be back for the after show because that was a pretty short show so you know i think people are tuning in anyway um if you are tuning in even if you don't li- usually listen to the after show welcome thank you for being here the after show is brought to you by stuff.sexandsciencehour.com and if you go there it will take you to amazon you can do your normal shopping there you, uh, the prices won't change, but we will get a small referral fee from anything that you buy, and it'll appear in a list of stuff that we can read out on our after show and discuss and judge you, but in a nice way and anonymously, because we don't know who bought it. We just know what was bought. So we'll judge you, but very nicely, and you'll, your secret will be safe with us because nobody will know who you are. So that hey, sounds good to you, stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. And no one will you know restock your fridge for you uh, while you're yes, away either. that's right. You know, I want to just give an example example that people could check out if they want to see what i'm talking about yeah there's, I a, do. there's a movie from oh boy this might even be 20 years ago now uh called the sixth day with uh with arnold schwarzenegger it was one of his last kind of big theatrical hits uh pre terminator 3 mm-hmm. and he in that movie you are bombarded with because it takes place in the near future but you are bombarded with a ton of technological possibilities one of them being is that there's a touchscreen on the refrigerator oh gee you have those now huh uh (laughs) yeah there's a refrigerator's connected to the internet right and and what happens is is that like you can get milk delivered right to the right to the refrigerator all you have to do is need milk and it'll show up it's not even a delivery person from walmart coming or anything um and this was one of those movies where they went overboard to like market test people's reactions to things um, and this is one of the ones where across the board, people did not appreciate it. They did not talk about it. They didn't care about it. They didn't like it. They even made for this movie, 
They even made special commercials that made it look like it wasn't about the movie, but it was, and this happens very rarely, but it's when, you know, they're doing market research. Uh, they did, they did, you know, commercial advertisements like, you know, trailers for the movie, but you had no idea it was for the sixth day until the last 10 seconds. But beforehand, wow. it just looked like GE was showing you the future or something. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, yikes, people, <laughs> people like to go shopping. Yeah. You know, this is the thing. I mean, and people always have. That's why you have the concept of Agora and you have, you know, all these other things, because people actually like to get the fuck outside and, and, and go grab some stuff. Now, delivery is a different story, but I, I really do think people like to go shopping and read labels and, and, and do all of, you know, do all of that stuff. That's why Amazon knows they need to get into the brick and mortar space, because mm. there's always going to be certain elements that online just won't necessarily be enough. Yeah, you know, the thing with grocery shopping is like, I like to feel the avocados and see right. if it's ripe. You right. know, how can you do that? I know people said that about online clothing shopping and now we all buy our clothes online. Yeah. But like, you know, there is something to be said. Some people really want to try on their shoes to make sure they're comfortable before they buy them. Sure. Well, this is why, uh, you know, you just you just made the point without maybe even realizing it. What are the two store chain or what are the two kind of chains or whatever that uh, that Amazon bought Zappos, which is a shoe company. Oh yeah, and Whole Foods, which is which is food. groceries. Yeah. You know, they're not buying J.C. Penney. They're not buying mm. Kohl's. They're not buying any of this stuff because no, no, people can people can deal with that. They they can buy that on Amazon, but there's things that they can't. And and you hit on a couple of them, mm. and you know that's why they're they're getting into uh, you know getting into that space. But the idea, I mean, the thing is now, I'll just say this quickly, and we we can get to the get to the products that people actually bought. Um, the thing is now is that now I think companies are so desperate for differentiators from the me too shit that goes on, especially in Silicon Valley, that they'll try anything, even if they know or they have some degree of data to back it up that people don't actually want this. They don't care. They just have to do something to either please the investors or to create some kind of differentiator that who knows, maybe it'll just happen to take off like bringing in a delivery man. You know, uh, I mean, it, it's, it, <laughs> I could sound like an old man. It's downright indecent. The milkman never walked into your house. He dropped it off the right. fucking front step. Yeah. And then drove That's off. That's a border that I'm not comfortable with crossing. Damn right. All right. That's all I got. All right. Well, what did people buy this week? Yes. On com. First order of business. Somebody asked us if somebody said they bought an item through the link and wanted to confirm that we got credit for it. All right. And I looked it up. It was a purple yoga mat. Ooh. And we did. We got credit for that. Thank so you. thank you so much. Just to let you know, we did get the yoga mat. I don't know why it didn't show up before. Like I had to go looking for it. I just had to like select the last all the items bought in the last month and then search the list. I for for whatever reason it didn't show up like the last couple times we did it, but maybe that's because we record the show on different days sometimes, and maybe I'm I'm on the Falls last seven the days, and yeah. maybe it fell through the cracks. So anyway, the person got a balance from Go Yoga All Purpose Half Inch Thick Extra Dense Anti Tear Yoga Mat with Carrying Strap, and it is bright purple and it looks really nice and and plush. Hooray. Yeah, definitely. Love some yoga. <laughs> what is this made out of? Um, you know, yoga mats are made out of different stuff. I think I have a latex yoga mat, and it has the texture of one of those things. You could probably use it to open a jar if you had to. <laughs> you know those things? There's like these rubber th grippy things that you would use to open a jar to yeah. increase your grip. Yep. Well, that's what my yoga mat is like. And it's very 
it's very grippy. So even when you're sweating, you know, you have traction on the yoga mat. Yeah, very nice. Mm -hmm. So um, this one appears to be just made out of foam. So anyway, I hope you enjoy it. If you're getting into yoga for the first time, um, definitely I recommend to check out yogadownload.com. That is my favorite yoga uh, thing. Now, I was just talking to somebody about this today. A girl asked me, a woman asked me, if, um, you know, I had any tips for her. She said she has knee problems and she wants to get into doing yoga, but she's not really sure where to start. So I said, okay, first of all, any yoga pose, you can modify it to accommodate what your knees are able to do. Yep. So for example, if you're doing a pose where you're sort of lunging and balancing on one foot and one knee, like where you're in a lunge position with one knee down, you can fold your yoga mat over so it provides some extra cushion underneath your knee that's down on the floor. Or you can get a, like a foam disc that you can actually put under your knee for it's like a pillow, acts like a pillow. Okay. Um, if you're doing a, a figure four where you basically like bend your left knee and then cross your left ankle over your right knee and kind of squat down, that's a figure four stretch. Stretches your sort of outer thigh and, and glute area. You can flex your foot to um, make your to give your knee some extra strength so it doesn't like buckle and put pressure on your knee. So there's always modifications that you can do to protect your knees. The other thing I recommended to her was, okay, some people like to take yoga classes at a local place because maybe they want to meet uh, meet local friends. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a great way to do it. You know, if you want to make friends in a new area, exercise classes are an awesome way to meet Yeah, people. yoga, gym, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yoga, I mean, you're going to meet a lot of women because women, you know, yoga classes are predominantly women, yes. <laughs> tend to be. So um, it's a great way to meet, you know, to meet, meet local women. Um, <laughs> anyway, do with that information what you will. <laughs> but if you want to meet people in real life or if you want the instructor to give you feedback on, on the poses that you're doing and maybe adjust you and say, oh, no, you're not doing this right, change this or whatever, and you want that feedback in real time, you should go to an in-person class in, in your mm -hmm. local area. And you might have to try different yoga studios because they have different styles and they have different crowds of people that go there. So they're all going to be slightly different. Right. So, um, you know, try some out, see if you can get a trial membership for a week or a month and just see how it goes. And if you like it, keep going. Some places have hot yoga, like in the winter. That's really nice. It can yep. be really nice in the cold winter. Um, but if you just want to practice, like, whenever you sort of have time and you want on-demand classes that you can stream from home and you have a yoga mat, like this person just bought one, um, Yoga Download, and then there's other sites like Yoga Glow, and like th there's tons of online yoga classes that you can um, get. Some are membership sites and some are free. But uh, I like Yoga Download because they have this really good sort feature where you can sort it by like the length of the class, the intensity, the level, like you know beginner, intermediate, and so on. Um, and the focus, like sometimes they have yoga for legs or yoga for your back with a, a focus on your back or shoulders or something. Um, that's why I like, uh, yoga download. So check it out if you're interested. Anyway, um, we had a, we had a couple of sex toys. I think I'm going to save those for last. Okay. <laughs> Somebody bought Michael W. Dean's book, the user manual for the human experience, 2017 oh edition. So it's been updated. I didn't oh, know it was updated. Okay. Not your mother's self-help book. <laughs> that's what it says. With Have the you... MWD? I imagine not. Yeah. Have you read this book, Brian? Uh, parts actually. Yeah, I have skimmed it as well. Yeah, 
Yeah. And uh, this is someone we know. It's a po- fellow podcaster. He's been podcasting for a long time long in many time. different forms, but his most recent He knows a thing or two about sex podcasts, too. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> most recent incarnation of his podcast is The Freedom Fiend. So hope hope the book is uh, is helpful for you. Somebody brought a Yunmai smart scale with body fat, and it basically connects to your iPhone and sends your weight to your iPhone app. Um, you know, I have a scale that's kind of like this. It does weight and body fat, but mm-hmm. then I just record it. I don't connect this. My scale can't connect to my phone, and that's okay with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, you know, I get, go on it, and I record it. <laughs> and I'm honest about it. But this scale was a pretty good deal at a 40 bucks. I think I paid like 120 for my scale, something like that. Wow. Milwaukee Brewers men's graphic t-shirt for 30 bucks with a baseball on it. 5X. Um, Aftershock's Trex Titanium Open Ear Wireless Bone Conduction Headphones, Ocean Blue. $129, so hopefully these are good headphones. But these are the wraparound kind that go around the back of your head and they connect by Bluetooth. They're totally wireless. Oh, what do they look like? They they actually look like the ones that you just got, Brian. Can you see the picture? Oh yeah. Yeah, they look like that. What's what the company kind? again? Um, this is Aftershocks. Oh, okay. Trex Titanium Open Ear. Mine is uh, Plantronics. Plantronics. Okay. And I got to tell you, like, mm-hmm. I'm really I'm sold. I'm already very sold on what Bluetooth headphones can do. And the thing is, is that it's not. So my argument in the past with Bluetooth headphones. There's a couple of them. First off, you have like Blueborn, which is a security exploit that mm-hmm. was recently discovered. Um, a lot of things have already been patched for it, especially iOS and all that. So, you know, it's not really a concern there. But then there's always the next Bluetooth, you know, uh, uh, exploit down the line. Right. You know, it's just a matter of when. Um, so, you know, I like Hardline. I don't think the sound you cannot match the sound of, you know, good old fashioned hardlined you know, plugged into a one eighth jack headphones. Um, you're just, you just can't, you know, and it's nice that one eighth jack headphones don't need batteries generally, <laughs> yeah. right? you know, as That's to where right. these need power. Um, so my Plantronics that I got, uh, they like, they last for eight hours, which is pretty, pretty good. good. They, they yeah. get me through a day. They get me through a day easily. Usually actually a couple using days. Using them all day. Using them as often as I care to use them. And I listen to audiobooks, podcasts, music, you know. Do you use them for phone calls? I can. Mm-hmm. So this is where things get interesting with Bluetooth. First off, though, I just want to say quick, like when I'm working out, the fact that I don't have a wire connected to me anywhere is just priceless. Yeah. Like having that freedom of like setting the phone on a table or something and then just having those in and they have. And and here's where this leads in then is that Bluetooth headphones have controls. There's still disadvantages. I could describe a couple of them, but they have various controls where I can skip the track um, I can, I mean, and yeah, you could do this stuff with like a little inline, uh, uh, controller on, on, uh, you know, one eighth jack connected headphones as well. But anyway, but it's nice. The amount of features like, and, and the headphones can, you know, they talk to you, they, you can find out what your battery life is. They can give you Ooh, notifications. Fancy. Yeah. I mean, there's ghost in the headphones, right? The thing is when you're wearing the headphones, you almost feel like you don't need the phone anymore in a way. Like, hmm. I mean, or at least you're not reaching like for it's, it so often. Like you're on Star Trek with the computer and you're giving voice commands? Sort of. Yeah. I mean, there's a really good feel to this. Now, the thing is, for me, uniquely, I can't, I cannot handle in-ear headphones. So the Plantronics that I have, they they sit just outside of the, they actually kind of like, 
they tunnel a little bit in the ear, but they're not like suctioning into my ear, which mm-hmm. I just can't handle because I want to hear what the fuck's going on around me. I think people are crazy, and uh, you, you included when <laughs> when you when you wear those because it's just like what the hell. I mean, I get it if you're on an airplane, but anywhere else, I, I just can't handle losing my senses like that. But anyway, um, the disadvantages are is that Bluetooth is something that requires uh, some processing. As to where old-fashioned one-eighth jack is, is a pretty straight line. Um, because of that, if your phone starts to stutter, guess what? Your music and your Bluetooth headphone starts to stutter. Uh, mm. So, you know, th- there are disadvantages to using these, certainly. But I'm kind of sold. Like, there's a lot of freedom that comes with using these. Uh, so, nice buy. I'll just put it that way. And Very I recommend cool. the set that I got, the Plantronics. I, I totally recommend any of their models. Cool. Do you know how much it cost? Uh, I got mine on like a gold box and it was a refurb. That's right. So I got them really inexpensive. I think normally they cost about 90 bucks. Okay. But I didn't pay anywhere. I probably paid a third of that. So, yeah. You cheapskate. Hey, when I see a deal. I (laughs) mean, refurbish is just as good as new as far as I always buy refurbs. Yeah, I know. Always buy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but that's the thing is that like I wouldn't. I wouldn't spend real money on a pair of Bluetooth headphones. Now, maybe I would now that I'm I'm sold on them. But uh, there was no way I was going to do it, you know, outright. Yeah, you weren't convinced. You needed yeah. to. You needed to try it out. Right. So, cool. All right. We had just my size women's five pack of cotton lace effects brief panties. Mm. Right on. Very nice. Uh, the scud whole scud the whole shebang. It looks like a comic book or a book. In the world of Scud, bullets are cheaper than human life. Corner vending machines provide any weapon you might need. The most common popular weapons are Scud disposable assassins, robot hitmen that self-destruct when they kill their target. This volume follows Scud 1373 assigned to take out a hideous female man-eater named Jeff. Oh my gosh. All right. Yeah, it is is a comic book by Rob Schrab and Dan Harmon. You've never heard of this one, Brian. It doesn't look like it's ringing any bells. No, no, I'm not aware of this. I feel, who's it by again? Dan Harmon? Dan Harmon, Rob Schrab. No. Dan Harmon sounds familiar, but it's That's a pretty common name. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Here's one. This has an audiobook, too. Found Alien IR Sci-Fi Romance, Brides of the Kindred, Book 4. This is in the the Kindle department. And it does have an audiobook. Sounds hot. Yeah, it it actually does by Evangeline Anderson. Now, IR, I don't know what IR means. It's usually like it'll like if it's a gay romance, it'll say MM, or if it's a lesbian one, it'll say FF, or if it's a threesome, it'll say MMF oh, or MFF. Codes. Yeah, yeah, but IR, I have no idea what that means. Infrared. <laughs> it's actually yeah. what IR means, but yeah. I it was I slash R. Oh, <laughs> so oh, I don't know. Um, A warrior with a scarred heart who doesn't know how to love and the woman who must teach him before it's too late. The son of the evil all-father Zairn is filled with conflicting emotions. On one hand, he has finally gained his freedom and cut the ties that bound him to his race and the sadistic male who is his father. But doing so has unleashed feelings in him Zarn would rather keep buried. Desires that he prayed would never manifest now rage through them as they are centered on one woman alone. 
Lauren Jakes is the long-lost cousin Liv and Sophie never knew they had. Abducted by the Scourge, she formed a connection with Zarin more meaningful than any other in his life. But though Lauren thinks she knows him, there's more to the huge Scourge warrior than she comprehends. A nightmarish childhood and cruel father have scarred Zarin's heart, almost past the point of healing. But that's nothing to the secret inside him, the forbidden desires coded into his very DNA itself, which urged him to commit unspeakable acts in order to sate his newly awakened hunger. Oh, my God. Unspeakable. Holy shit, that's sexy. <laughs> it's too bad they already have an audiobook. I would, uh, I would get in touch with them. <laughs> it looks popular. Nice. I uh, hope you enjoy this. Uh, found Alien uh, Alien Romance Brides of the Kindred, book four. Um, Ecolite UV Flashlight Blacklight. This is a blacklight detector for dog urine, pet stains, and bed bugs. Oh, boy. Maybe somebody's taking this to a hotel and doing, like, an expose. Oh. You know, I saw a really funny video. Well, I mean, it's funny if you're not staying at these hotels, but it was, like, one of those busted videos where these these news reporters book rooms at area hotels, and then they take this paint that's invisible except under a black light, and they spray paint it on the pillows and on the bed sheets that says, like, dirty, this bed was slept in, and then they come back and they book the same room the next day and they see if they change the sheets. Nah. And often they didn't. Yeah. Ugh. Yuck. Gross. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, when I go to a hotel, I always think twice about sleeping naked because I'm like, ooh, who slept naked before me in this bed? Yeah. (laughs) Brian doesn't care. He just does it anyway. (laughs) Toolosity 10-inch diamond profile wheel for marble and granite tile. So this is like a tile cutting saw. Oh. That's diamond tipped. I've done that before. That's uh, Yeah, you redid a bathroom, didn't you? Uh, Kitchen. Oh, wow. And a bathroom. Oh, I've redone a lot of, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you've got a lot of experience at this. That I do. Gero Formula L-Glutamine. L-Glutamine is a thing that people take for uh, bodybuilding. It says protects muscle tissue and supports immune function. Really? 100% L-Glutamine. No other substances. I need to look into this. Gluten-free. 22 bucks for a 17-ounce car. Uh, car. 17-ounce jar. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Now, this is, yeah, this is a lot. So, so glutamine is a, an amino acid. I think people take it because it has extra um, nitrogen groups. Mm. And so I don't know if you need that nitrogen to build up more more muscle mass or something, or if it's highly contained in muscle. I'm not sure. But uh, somebody's probably a bodybuilder there. And last but not least, I saved the kinkiest for last. We, Brian, we had three dildos purchased Whoa. Through our affiliate link. Okay. Somebody's getting real freaky, or Someone's maybe three serious. people. Uh, so they're having a good old time. They are all realistic appearing dildos that are kind of Caucasian skin colored, and they have suction cups at the bottom. So it appears that somebody's trying out three different suction cup dildos. Maybe they're going to bounce like from one to the next to the next, put them all on the table or on the shower, <laughs> on the wall of the shower. Uh, I think of a lot of creative uses for that. <laughs> but this one's too small and this one's too big. But That's this right. This one's just right. That's right. Well, you know, one of these, they actually are all different sizes. So one of them is a four inch one. The other one is a 7.1 inch one. The other one is a seven inch one. Okay. So there's one that's probably for the butt. 
<laughs> the four oh. inch one, I'm guessing, is for the butt. And the seven inch ones are for the puss. I don't know. Or maybe for a butt as well. You could put it anywhere. It's realistic. Um, <laughs> so the, uh, the, the brands are, the first one is L-V-E-N-Y. And it's called a double-layered realistic dildo. So the double-layer thing, I guess, is to emulate sort of the sort of squishy but hard feel of a real penis. Okay. You know, so it has like a little bit of air in the middle, but it's, it's a double layer. And it has a strong suction cup, it says. And uh, that was the $28 model. I guess you could also probably put this in a strap-on because it has the the balls. So, like, you know, there's a ring on a strap-on. You slip the dildo inside of it. And as long as the ring can't go over the balls, you know, the fake balls, it'll hold it in place. Um, But it also has the suction cup. So I don't know how good that would feel for the wearer. Hmm. But maybe they're just going to stick it to something. And the other seven inch dildo is actually this is seven point one inches emulational, sorry u timmy u t i m i seven point one inch emulational dildo, big dick masturbate toys. <laughs> That's their SEO thing, and it actually shows. Oh my god, it actually shows a drawing of a a pussy with this dildo like in it inserted like like a picture of the dildo just photoshopped like into it <laughs> wow yeah it's interesting what happens when you turn off the safe search feature on amazon <laughs> um and this one also has a uh uh suction cup at the bottom it's uh flexible so one of the selling points is you can kind of bend it and it'll uh it'll Go back to its original shape. Thirteen ninety nine was the price point. Okay. You know, silicone dildos apparently used to be so much more expensive because they didn't used to make any toys out of silicone, and it was like a fairly involved manufacturing process. Nah. But uh, now they appear to have perfected it because the price points on these things are pretty low. All right, and the the last one was the freaky silicone realistic suction cup mini dildo, four inch, and that one comes in. Caucasian flesh color and also purple. So you could have an alien dick in your, nice. in your behind or in your puss or in your mouth or in your hand or wherever you want it. Um, this was 1447 price point. <laughs> okay, I have to read the description because this is funny. This pint-sized pecker pl- packs plenty of pleasure. <laughs> I need a pop filter for that one. How many peas can you put on that yeah, penis? Exactly. <laughs> I think they were trying to suggest something there. So that's going to do it for us. What better way to end off than with three suction cup dildos? We'll need to have a product review of those, please. Send us in to show at sexandsciencehour.com or join our Facebook group, Sex and Science Hour podcast community on Facebook. You can also uh, go to our website, sexandsciencehour.com, for our contact form, as well as a link to stuff.sexandsciencehour.com. Hope I'm not leaving anything out. Oh, yeah, share the show. Tell your friends about us. We love to have new people. So (laughs) thanks for listening, everybody. That's going to do us. Do us. Yeah. Well, that's that's... going to do it for us. Yeah. It's going to do us. All right. Those strap-on suction cup dildos. You're welcome. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Have a good one. Woo!